All right, hey, what's up, guys? Ian Cummings from Rigo's Rag here with you today, podding up with Nathan Britton, my co-host. Last podcast, we talked about the Redskins draft, one through each draft pick, but uh, it's a league with 32 teams, a division with four teams, so today we're going to touch on the NFC East and how the Redskins compare to each team. Nathan, we got the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Giants. Uh, the past few years has been a pretty competitive division. I mean, how's it, how's it shaping up this year, do you think? I think it's going to continue being competitive. You have the defending Super Bowl champions who they didn't really lose too many pieces from that team. You have Carson Wentz, assumedly, coming back healthy, maybe not week one, but early-ish in the season. New York has a new coach. I think that their record from last season, I think a lot of that was due to injuries and the coach lost the locker room. When that happens, you have players start you know, going against each other, against the coach, against the organization. It creates problems. So I think that record last year was more due to the lack of structure they had as a team than it is their skill. In Dallas, um, you know, you look at them, they lost Jason Witten. That's a big loss for them. Uh, Des Bryant is no longer there. They lost a veteran corner in Orlando Scandrick. So they, um, on paper, they look a little bit weaker, but you know, they're always, you know, they always surprise people the past few years. Their defense has been way better than anybody thought it would or should be. So they're not going anywhere either. I can't see them picking top five yeah for sure uh, there's a lot of intrigue in the nfc east this year and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of pundits and stuff they've been counting the redskins out so far but i i look at our schedule i look at how we match up with the nfc east teams you know there's a good chance that we could be competitive we're going to get more into that uh coming up here uh just a quick recap we've got record projections uh a new josh doxon article up on Riggo's Rag, you guys can check that out. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the NFC East, like we said. And uh, let's start with the Giants first, because uh, they they made some waves in the NFL draft. They got they got a lot of good players, but is their roster ready to rebound from such a down year? I mean, you know, they got Pat Shermer coming coming in from the uh, Vikings, and you know he he's got a lot of he's got a good reputation behind him. Is Eli Manning the guy who can? elevate that roster anymore like walk me through it nathan because i you know I, i'm trying to i'm trying to you know make sure you give your opponents credibility you know so you're not you know selling them short so you don't get surprised mm-hmm. but the giants are a team that you know it's it's kind of hard to be confident it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to expect a lot out of them i don't know that's just me though what do yeah. you, what's your take yeah I, I like i said i think that their record last year was more a reflection on the coach and, what, and injuries than it is their actual ability. I don't think they're going to go win, win the NFC East and have, you know, 10, 11, 12 wins. But um, I do think, look, you you, you move, you brought in Nate Solder, who replaces Eric Flowers at left tackle. That's a huge bonus for Eli Manning. You bring in Will Hernandez at left guard from the second round. I think that's a huge addition to that offensive line. You bring Saquon Barkley, who pe- most people think is number one running back in, in the class and who will make noise right away and, and establish himself as a top five back at the end of this year. You look on the other side of the ball, yeah, they traded away Jason Pierre-Paul, but they still have Landon Collins, who's pretty good. Eli Apple is still young and developing. And, and let's not forget they have Odell Beckham. So there, there's a lot of stuff there that you still need to worry about. Now, Eli Manning, I've always thought Eli Manning is to an extent overrated. I don't think he can put the team on the back and on his back and just, you know, go out and win games like, like Peyton Manning could, but I think he's he's older, but I think he still can get the job done if he has his time and he's able to mentally pick apart a defense. So I, I I wouldn't count them out. I know you're not counting them out, but I don't think that they're gonna 
back and down, you can count them as, you know, a team that you don't have to worry about because I do think they'll rebound. They're, they're only two seasons removed from, what, a 10 win year? I think when, it was 12, uh, 12 and 4. I thought they went 12 and 5. I can't remember. I'll look it up. Even that, even worse. So you know, they're not that far removed from that. They had a down year where the coach got exposed and blown out. He made questionable decisions with Eli. He lost the locker room. They had a bunch of injuries. I mean, Odell Beckham was out all year. Uh, Burris was out, or not Burris? God, um, what's his name? You know who I'm talking about. Uh, I, shoot, I'm blanking. Brandon too. Marshall. Brandon oh, Marshall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was out. They had no you run game. Their offensive line was a mess. Yeah, that's <laughs> last from the past. But their offensive line was a mess. So if they come back healthy with the pieces they've added and, and Saquon Barkley being able to take a lot off Odell Beckham and Eli Manning's plate, as people expect, you know, they could be a team, you know, they could be a force to be reckoned with who I don't want to say they're going to challenge Philly because I think this is Philly's vision for the foreseeable future. But they could easily, you know, split with Philly and, you know, come up second in this division. Yeah, for sure, though. Let's just take a look at some of the players that they added because, you know, we know that the Giants' defense um, has the pieces to be a really good unit. You know, it's got that – they're still pretty stout on the defensive line, and they got those playmakers in the secondary, like you said, Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins. They got some gaps there. The linebacking core definitely isn't solid. Uh, you know, Keenan Reynolds was starting for them not too long ago, so that's a problem in itself. Uh I think uh, that that could be an issue, but overall the unit's pretty solid, so you, you want to turn to the offensive side of the ball because that's where they made a lot of their changes this offseason. Obviously the headliner is Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, he's a guy who, uh, for this team at number two, expectations are high. and You know, I, I think he'll come out and match them. I really do. I think he's a good fit for what Shermer's going to want to do. Uh, Shermer's kind of an innovative offensive mind. He's going to He's going to find ways to use Barkley's talent. The, the thing I don't like about Barkley and the Giants' offense is you've got this offensive line. Now they added a bunch of guys. They added uh, Nate Solder, Will Hernandez. Uh, but even after those additions, this offensive line still has room for improvement. Uh, you know, Solder, he's an aging, inconsistent left tackle. You know, at, at his highs, he's a really good player. But as he gets older, consistency is growing, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to maintain it. So we'll definitely see. I, I also read a report that they're starting Eric Flowers at right tackle. So I'm happy with that, but uh, that, that might be a problem for them. So I think Will Hernandez is a guy he'll be able to get some momentum in the interior. But uh, going back to Saquon Barkley, his running style, uh, you know, I said this before, Darius Geis was drafted by the Redskins, so, you know, any bias cards can be thrown out the window, but I thought as a pure runner, Darius Geis was better than Saquon Barkley. Because you look at at Geis, he's a guy who just hits the hole. Uh, Barkley, you know, he kind of dances around in the back. You know, Le'Veon Bell is another guy who does that, but, you know, there's a fine line between patience and indecisiveness. And Barkley, his tape says more indecisive than patient you know in the NFL you got to have that balance you got to be decisive so I don't think it'll be a huge issue for Barkley but it's just something to note because this offensive line for the Giants uh you know it's not a great run blocking offensive line even even with Hernandez there's still going to be those drawbacks the Redskins will have those same thing the Redskins offensive line is more of a pass blocking unit that's where they're that's their bread and butter but Darius Geis is an aggressive runner who hits the hole and 
uh, makes plays in space and in traffic. So uh, Barkley is a guy, you know, he doesn't always hit the hole. Then you're stuck in the pocket trying to work with what you got. And, you know, I, I, it won't hurt them all the time, but it's just something that could come back and haunt them every now and then. And, uh, you know, I think that's something to keep an eye on. But as a prospect, Barkley was for sure the number one guy. Uh, you know, he, he's got the receiving ability, really dynamic player. So I think having a chess piece like that, an athletic guy with sky-high potential, that's good. That's really good for the Giants, uh, especially in the years to come. You know, I think he's got a long career ahead of him relative to most running backs, and I think that, you know, he'll be tough to deal with. But uh, I'd rather deal with uh, Barkley for seven years than uh, Josh Rosen for, like, 15. So, you know, Yeah, for sure. I, I, think, uh, I think it's going to be scary at first, but – uh, you look at the Redskins' defensive line, they can definitely deal with something like that. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and this is an unpopular opinion. I know that there's a couple people on draft Twitter who also threw this out there. For me, I had Darius Geis as RB1 in the draft. Um, I just, like you said, I think his, his running, as a pure runner, his running style is better. Now, I think potential-wise, if Saquon Barkley can hit everything, I think people put him as number one based off what he did and what they think he can turn into. And if he does, if he's able to check those boxes and turn into what everybody thinks, then yes, he, he's a generational talent, a generational back. I think he's going to be outstanding. But as of right now, you know, if we got on the field and played tomorrow, I would take Darius guys over him. I, when I was watching Saquon Barkley come, and I'm not going to say that I watched every run he had in college, but, you know, you get on draft breakdown, you can watch a few games here and there and see. I saw a lot of Matt Jones in his game where – when stuff, when, you know, there was penetration to the backfield, it was a lot of, rather than just hitting it and going and, and trying to fight through it, there was a lot of dancing around and, like you said, hesitation and indecisiveness to try to do it. He, to me, you watch Darius guys and he's going to just, he hits a hole and he hits it hard, he's running and he's going to run through. He'll put a move on you, but for the most part, he's going to make everything at full speed. I saw a lot of Saquon Barkley in the backfield dancing around, trying to get out and trying to turn a negative play rather than getting it, you know, turning a negative play into nothing or a positive one. He's trying to turn that negative play into, you know, plus 50 for a score. And, and I think that with an offensive line that isn't as great as the Giants, I think that's going to, you know, be a little bit of a learning curve for him. Now he could come out and completely blow us out of the water, blow me out of the water and, and, and you know, rush for however many, over a thousand yards or whatever. But, as of right now, yeah, I saw a lot of Matt Jones, and I think that he's going to have a lot of that where people get in the backfield. Because Eric Flowers is, you know, he was a turnstile last year at left tackle. I don't see why he wouldn't be at right tackle. It's a completely different position. It's, it's you know, not an easy transition to make. And the running, the right side is genuinely the running side. So, you know, I, I think that he could see a lot of penetration in the backfield, and how he handles that early on could be, you know, a determining factor for how his season goes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just a disclaimer here, you know, you look at Barkley's tape and he makes a ton of, you know, great plays that make you go, wow, you know, he's got the crazy balance, you know, just sometimes you, you're like, how does how does he stay on his feet? How in the world does he stay on his feet? But, uh-huh. uh, you know, his options, you know, I, I don't know how good Penn State's offensive line was. I know they didn't have too many prospects. Uh, I don't think they had anyone go in the draft, so. Yeah, but I don't know who was draft eligible, who wasn't. So, um, but you know, you got to think Barkley in the NFL 
against NFL defensive linemen who are penetrating against uh, subpar Giants O line. Uh, he's gonna face some adversity. He's gonna get he's gonna get contacted in the pocket, and you know that that'll be big. Uh, you know, I think that'll that'll definitely be the game plan for teams. You know, if you can make Barley Barkley uh, double, you know, overthink it, you know, second guess himself, and you know that's the way to go. But you know, his talent is undeniable, and he, if he can find a way to, you know, get a little a little more aggressive, uh, punch those holes a little bit faster. Then, you know, that's dangerous, and that's a dangerous match for all NFC's defenses. Um, so we covered the Giants. Let's go to the Cowboys now. Uh, the Cowboys, I, they're a team I'm not super high on. And, you know, uh, there's there's got to be some bias factoring in there. i got to admit it, you know, even though, even if I wouldn't admit it, you know, uh, if you ask me on the spot. But i got to say it right now, you know, I want the, I want the Cowboys to kind of, you know, not meet expectations, but I look at the roster, and there's a lot of areas where there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, you look at the wide receiving core. Alan Hearns is their number one receiver. That'll be interesting. Terrence Williams, their number two guy, he recently got arrested. Uh, you know, I think his contract is the only thing keeping him on the roster. So they also lost Jason Witten, like you said earlier. He's a locker room guy, a Hall of Fame tight end talent. Uh, their starting tight end, I checked the depth chart earlier, is Jeff Swain. So I don't know who that guy is, so I'm happy with that, for sure. Uh, That's good news for Washington. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they, Their offensive line is still great. Ezekiel is still great. They're going to run the football. Dak Prescott uh, had a little bit of a down year last year, but not a regression, not like Jameis Winston regression with Derek, with Derek Cutter. It wasn't like that. It was just a, a down year for Prescott. I think he'll rebound and show us why he was offensive rookie of the year in 2016 uh, on the defensive side of the ball they've got a lot of issues as well you look at the defensive line uh, they have Tyrone Crawford Malik Collins who broke his foot you know, he's gonna be out for the offseason might not be a hundred percent when the regular season starts they wanted to sign Terrell McClain that shows you how much they need depth on the defensive line now, they might have a higher standing of McClain than we do but uh, it was it was very clear for, to the Redskins that McLean was an aging guy who was past his peak. You know, I, I don't see him as anything more than a depth guy in Atlanta. So I, I think uh, the Cowboys were kind of desperate for help there and not having that rotation. Having a rotation is a very valuable thing in today's NFL. The Eagles taught us that last year. So I think that'll be interesting, an interesting development. They're also pretty thin in the linebacking corps with Sean Lee and Leighton Van Der Esch. And then in the secondary, too. Kind of short staff there. Uh, Xavier Cooper, Jordan Lewis, two young guys who will need to step up next year along with Anthony Brown. He had a down year last year. So I don't know, Nathan. I, I'm just, I see a lot of uncertainty with this Dallas Cowboys squad. You know, if, if, if they can, if they can exercise their demons, they can be a good, a decent team. But I, I really don't see, I don't see, it's just, I can't commit to expecting success from them either. You know, it's just it's just a thin roster, and that that's dangerous in today's league. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, they still have Zeke. Um, they still have Sean Lee. That's that's about it, and they have that offensive line. So that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah that's about it. So, to me, they're more annoying than they are good. They're just gonna <laughs> kind of be there, and you know, come week 10, 11, 12, they're going to kind of still be relevant in the playoff race. Nobody's really going to know how. It's just going to be that annoying team that 
games that they should have won. So, but you, you do look at it. Their defense is, is weak. Sean Lee has yet to stay healthy, and that's why they drafted Leighton Vander. She's getting older. You know, yeah, he's had health issues his whole career. You know, getting older isn't going to, you know, solve that. So they got Leighton Vander. But he's raw, and he had injuries too. So he could very well, you know, we, we've seen a a lot of these rookies the past few years first round picks be non productive due to injury or just, you know, the learning curve and he, he has the potential to have both of those impact his first year. So, you know, while that, you know, three or four down three or four years down the road may be a great pick and could turn into another Charlie, there's a good ch- chance this year that he doesn't do anything. And then you flip to the other side of the ball. Dak Prescott is a product of Zeke Elliott being able to run run wild and free. You saw his rookie year when Zeke was just running all over teams. Dak Prescott was asked to go out. He was said they told him don't lose the game. Go out and do just enough not to lose the game. Similar to what kind of what you see with a lot of quarterbacks. You know, I, I don't want to say gap quarterback for him because you know his kind. Of, you know, he by all accounts he's going to be there for a long time. But yeah, yeah they, he was told don't go out and don't lose games. And then when he lost Zeke last year for that stretch, he he struggled. He struggled a lot and he kind of got exposed. So. This year he doesn't have anybody that he doesn't have his, you know, old reliable over the middle with Jason Witten. You know, Des Bryant for whatever he was a shell of himself. You know, he still had pretty decent hands. So those options are gone, and if people can figure out Zeke Elliott, then I think we're at Daxon for a, a, a major regression. So again, I, I, but that's a team that always is around, always is relevant somehow. So I don't want to say that they're necessarily going to be good but i do see them probably right around 800 maybe a game under or over um and 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 you know the redskins can never you know go down there and really play well we, we always it's always a dog bite because it is a division game so i i think that that is a team that you can't overlook that's the worst thing that the redskins could do is, is look at this team and say they have a they have a weak roster, they have a thin roster, you know, if we can shut Zeke down, we got it, that's the worst thing they can do, because that team always finds a way. Yeah, for sure, there's there's a couple teams in the NFL that, you know, like you said, they just stick around for whatever reason, the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, they, they've, they've needed to fire Marvin Lewis for like, I don't know, five years now, they somehow find a way to get to the playoffs sometimes, it's like, how are you guys doing this, you know, your coach shouldn't even be there. Uh, so they're one of those teams. The Cowboys are one of those teams too. You know, I think Jason Garrett's a decent coach, but sometimes he just doesn't have the roster. And somehow they're at, they're sitting at eight and eight. You're like, what the heck? How how they get there? Like, I, I don't really understand this. So I think we'll see. We might see that next year. Uh, you know, I hope we don't for our sake. But they're one of those teams that just sticks in there and you know, kind of resolute, kind of gritty. You know, they just they they stick with it. They get they they got. They got a good program going, and you know they they know how to get there. So, because they've been there recently, uh, you know it wasn't long ago that the Cowboys were twelve and four, I think. So, kind of like the Giants, they've got that recent experience. So that's gonna fuel their hunger. So I think that 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 gives them a floor. That gives us a floor of what to expect. And you always want to expect the worst when you're planning for your rivals. You know, like you said with Vander Ash, he's got injury issues. Uh, we got a plan that he's going to be healthy and he's going to be a active defender over the field. Uh, we got a plan that uh, Alan Hearns will step in nicely. You know, got a plan so that we can shut those guys down. But, uh, you know, us talking to a podcast, you know, it's okay to say observations and, 
you know, it's, it's very clear after observing the Cowboys roster that they are pretty thin. And if injuries strike, like they struck the Redskins and the Chargers last year, uh, the Cowboys could be in dire straits. Uh, one team, one team that will not be in dire straits if injuries hits is uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are, I don't even want to say they're the team to beat because they were unbeatable really last year and they got better in the offseason. They signed uh, guys like Michael Bennett, uh, I don't remember other free agents, but in the draft they got Dallas Gadir, uh, Josh Sweat in round four. Uh, they just, it was a solid roster already. They got better. They added to the trenches. That That's valuable. Uh, you look at the Eagles. Is there really any way that, you know, teams in the NFC East can compete with them? I mean, Doug Peterson's a great coach, great roster. Carson Wentz is coming back. It seems like a perfect storm for the Eagles to just get right back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go so far as to pick them as right back to the Super Bowl favorites. That, that's, you know, it's premature. Nobody's played a snap yet. They could go out and, you know, Carson Wentz could have, you know, another season-ending injury, you know. Alshon Jeffrey could get hurt. So that's a little bit premature, I think. But your question earlier is, can anyone in the NFC East really contend with them? And I, short of, you know, another massive blow to their roster injury-wise, I don't think they can. Carson Wentz, if he comes back and he's ready to rock and roll, then, you know, we saw it last year. We had him dead to rights numerous times, and he just breaks it out and completes a major pass or just takes a run downfield for double-digit yards in his first down. So he's a great – and, it, you know, I, I joke around and say I hate Carson Wentz just because, you know, he's so good and we have to play against him, you know, two times a year for 15 years. But, you know, he, he's a great quarterback. He's He's got everything you need to – he can do it downfield. He can do it in the air. He can do do it with his legs, his mobility, in the pocket, out of the pocket, whatever you want. And if he comes back healthy, then that just makes that team so much better. Because you look at their run, he got hurt, what, week 15 or 16 last year. You look at the – they didn't – they obviously, you know, they went, they went through the playoffs. They, there's, there's a couple games where it was close with Atlanta and um, the pa- Patriots relatively close. But they're not – they don't miss a step even without Carson Wentz. You add Carson Wentz back into that mix with who they have, who they added – that that's scary. scary. That's very. That's very. Yeah, very scary. I don't. I think your best bet, if you're the Redskins, is you you hope to split that series. That that's what you hope for. You know, I know a lot of people look. You know, everyone looks at the roster. We, we want to go sixteen zero. We want to go sixteen zero. I think they need to. They realistically they can take, need to take a step back and look at Philly and say, we, if we can split with them, if we can win at home, you know, that's big. If we can win our game at our our stadium against them, that's big because. You, to split that series to that team, it shows that you've been you were able to beat them. You figured it out somehow, and and maybe if you see them later down the road, it, it'll help. But I mean, they're they're a tough they're a tough beat, man. They they got you know they added a couple players on defense. They added God Dirt, who I think is going to be a really good player to go along with Zach Ertz, who's oh, already yeah. a thorn in the side. Yeah, we already said Carson Wentz may be coming back. Nick Foles showed that he could do it when he needed to. So and then yeah. You have the guy on the sideline and Doug Peterson who, who's figuring it all out, figuring how to get everything to gel together. So that's a tough team, man. Yeah, they can put Nick Foles a wide receiver too. <laughs> Just kidding, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, they're a tough team. Uh, it's looking at their depth chart. You look at their depth chart. It's like holy crap, this guy's a third stringer. Like what the heck? What's going on here? Like this guy could start in Dallas or whatever. So 
yeah, you're right. They're a tough team. And for the Redskins, if they can split with Philly, like you said, that's that's an accomplishment. That is a very good accomplishment. And, you know, we'll go, we'll, we'll come full circle here now. Let's take a look at the Redskins roster. How do they match up with Philly's strengths? You know, I think the first thing you think of when uh, someone brings up Philly's strengths is their defensive line, their front seven. You know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Timmy Jernigan. It's a stacked unit. So, offensive line for the Redskins, they got Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff, Chase Rouye going into his second season. He was a pretty good run blocker last year. Morgan Moses, uh, that gap at left guard is obviously uh, it's an issue. Uh, you know, I, I think we lose that matchup. You look at their uh, skill position players on the offense, uh, you know, Jay Jaya, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey. Those are dynamic guys. Uh, our defense, I think, has the potential to handle guys like that. Monte Nicholson, in particular, really excited about him. He's a safety. You know, he's got he's got the range. He's got the instinct where he can he can really be a game changing player in the back end. So, I think when you uh, stop when you if you want to stop a air oriented attack like Philly, you know, Carson Wentz, he's got all his weapons. Having that rangy guy in the back is going to be huge. Uh, so Nicholson, I think Nicholson could be an X factor against Philly. That's that's what I'm thinking over here. You know, he's got he's got the traits for it, um, and he he's, he serves the right role. Where uh, for what Doug Peterson is doing, that's a way to stop. That's an antidote right there for the poison. So uh, I think he would definitely come into play there to stop Philly's offense. Their defense. Uh, you know, Alex Smith, you know, he matches up. Uh, if the Jay Gruden-Smith marriage goes well, you know, I think we can see we can kind of keep him on their toes a bit, but that's a, that's a really good defense. So uh, the home field advantage, definitely going to want to take advantage of that. I, I don't remember when we play Philly at home. I think it's week 17 we play Philly at home. Uh, so that, that, could be, that could actually be big, you know, if we're trying to get a wild card game and they're already in, uh, they're resting their starters maybe, you know. Maybe we could take advantage of that, but uh, I don't know. But definitely, uh, if, if the circumstances align, if we stay healthy, you're going to want to split Philly. Uh, not only would that you know, add another win in the win column, but you got to think that beating Philly with the notoriety they have gives a little confidence boost to the team. you got to think. Yeah, definitely. And there's a good chance you saw with Atlanta this year. They could very well be, you know, have a super that Super Bowl hangover to where you maybe you do get them twice. Maybe you do go to Central League and beat Central Link and beat them earlier in the season. Um, maybe you do get them when they're feeling themselves a little bit and when they because they do come Week <laughs> Seventeen to, to Washington. Maybe they're feeling themselves a little bit because they had a solid year. So there, there's opportunities for this team. If you look at the Redskins roster, what they did in the draft, the free agency, and, and the Alex Smith trade, and you, you automatically have to think that this is a better team than what they put out on the field last year. And if everybody can stay healthy, then the, I, the sky's the limit for them. So I think that you have a chance, you do have a chance to split with Philly. Obviously, you know, any given Sunday, all that whole narrative. But you know, if they are you know a little bit super hungover and you can get them twice, that's huge. That's huge because, like you said, they they come here week seventeen. The past few years for Washington, that's been you know a win and you're in type deal. Yeah. So for you to have them come into your house and with a win-in-your-end type deal and, and try to get a wild-card spot against the defending Super Bowl champions and you, you do that, 
you know, you get that, you get that sort of that that high feeling going into the playoffs, and you know, anything can happen at that point. You get hot. You saw with Joe Flacco, he got it hot for him, and they went on a run. So you never know what could happen. And to get them week seventeen, I think that that's exactly what you need because well, to get them week seventeen in addition to the other time, but to get them at your house week seventeen, I think that's exactly what you need because that that's one of those you have the schedule, you circle it, you know, type of games. That's that's. You know, you're you're itching for that. You know, come week ten, you're just looking down down the line, trying to get to that game where you can show them what you're a division opponent who won the Super Bowl, who's no doubt going to be throwing that around to anybody they play this year when they start talking trash. You know, if you go and you can punch them in the mouth, that that's huge for what you can do in the postseason. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think people like to get fixated on you know how we don't match, you know how we match up badly against this team or that team, but. You you put Washington side by side with New York and Dallas and Philly. This is a strong roster, and this is a roster that can compete in the NFC East. And I think if we can stay healthy, if the dominoes fall in the right place, yeah, I, I think that this is a team that can make some noise. We'll see. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. That's all the time we have today, guys. Any thoughts on the NFC East that you have? Uh, Feel free to comment. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Nathan and Ian are out. Peace out. Have a good night.